0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Diplomacy podcast, brought to you from San Francisco by the Norwegian Consulate General and Open Austria. I'm Gri Rabe Henriksen, Consul General of Norway. Technology has always played a role in human life, yet over the past decade we've seen this role explode to a degree we can barely comprehend. As tech companies grow in scale, reach, and wealth, governments have begun focusing efforts on bringing these new players into the diplomatic discussion. In this podcast, we invite diplomats, researchers, civil society, and tech companies to talk about anything and everything at the intersection between new and emerging technologies, regulations, and its implications. Join us as we explore tech diplomacy
1: hi everyone welcome to this episode of the tech diplomacy podcast i'm Cecilia herslet and i'm the advisor at the norwegian consulate in san francisco i'm your host today together with the norwegian consul general gri rabe henriksen our guest today is gerard de graf the senior envoy for digital to the us in san francisco welcome gerard what an honor to have you here Thank you so much for joining us to talk about tech diplomacy and the new EU regulation, the digital package.
2: Good day, Cecilia. I'm really pleased to be here. And it's very timely, I think, that we have this, uh, this conversation. So let's uh, try to make it as interesting as possible.
0: Thank you, Gerard, for being here. We're honored to have you as our guest in our studio today to start us off. Can you tell us about why the EU has opened an office here in San Francisco?
2: Well, for a number of reasons. Uh, we opened an office last September. Um, and, and I think the main reason is that the European Union wants to be a player in technology, wants to be a player in digital. And that, that means you also have to be close to where a lot of the technology is being developed, uh, close to where a lot of the big technology companies are established and that is here on the west coast in the united states so the european union decided it was important to be close to to where the technology is being developed and and at the same time of course also look for for um, uh, opportunities for cooperation between the eu and the us and then maybe last i mean the european union i think we will talk about that has uh, adopted uh, a sets of uh, regulations that will have to be implemented, including by some of the big companies that I think we are all familiar with and that are established here, like Google, like Meta, like Apple, like uh, Amazon. And so it's good to be close to those who will be regulated by the European Union's regulations.
1: This is fascinating. Angry. this is pretty much in line with what, how Norway works in this era, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. This is uh, very much uh, the way we think as well. And we're grateful the EU office here in San Francisco and for your contributions to the discussions that take place here.
1: I'm curious to hear how EU works on tech diplomacy here in Silicon Valley. Well, I think
2: first maybe, I mean, tech diplomacy. Why is tech diplomacy uh, important? Uh, I mean, I I think we all know diplomacy as a bit like, uh, I mean, diplomats in smoky rooms and uh, talking about big kind of strategic issues, diploma, diplomatic issues, uh, trade uh, issues. I mean, th- that has changed quite significantly. I think the life of a diplomat and the, the responsibilities of a diplomat have changed considerably. I mean, nowadays, if, if you look at the world, I mean, the, the, there are so many challenges that we're all facing. Climate, uh, immigration, health, uh, digital of course the, the traditional security challenges and 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 those challenges are kind of what's happening around the world is so important for our own societies because the world is is a global place and and so the european union wants to because it wants to 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 play a leadership role i mean the, the tech diplomacy is a very important part also because it in, encapsulates our our values it encapsulates kind of who how technology should work for people. That technology actually makes our lives better. And the European Union has some clear views about that and and it, it wants to bring these views also to other regions in the world and particularly to Silicon Valley where a lot of these technologies are being developed.
0: I think it is important to acknowledge how much new technologies and big tech companies are impacting not only our daily lives but also foreign and security policy and development policy. New technologies provide opportunities to deal with some of the most important challenges that we face today in areas such as climate change and health. At the same time, these same technologies are a source of new challenges that we need to deal with, such as uh, human rights issues and democracy. And we need to protect our fundamental values and ensure that the new technologies are human-centric, meaning the technologies are there to help humans and not the other way around.
1: I understand that the new EU regulation, the EU Digital Services Act and the Digital Markets Act is protecting us from the bite side of technology. Can you tell us a little bit about the new regulation in a nutshell? Yeah, sure. I mean, I
2: think as you say, technology can be used in, uh, for, for, for good things, I mean by good people, but technology can also be used to launch cyber attacks, or to spread illegal content, terrorist material, child sex abuse material, illegal hate speech, dangerous products that are uh, sold on marketplaces. So what the aim is of the European Union is to maximize the opportunities to to make sure we benefit as much as possible from these kind of the new ways of doing business, the ways of connecting with people. But, But at the same time, we minimize the risks. There will always be some risk, but we will try to minimize the risk. And so, the question that politicians, I mean, policymakers, businesses, citizens, academics in the European Union have been asking themselves over the last two, three years is well, how can we make the internet safer? And how can we maintain, I mean, and, and, and protect and, and strengthen our fundamental rights? freedom of speech, uh, of course, in particular. So, so that's been the kind of question that we've tried to answer in the European Union. And, and the response to that is the Digital Services Act. At the same time, we've asked ourselves the question because in the internet, you, you, you have this phenomenon that is called network effects, economies of scale. Uh, if you grow uh, as a i mean because the the cost of kind of growing your business are are very low you don't have to build some buildings or, or whatever so you can grow really very fast to to become very big and 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 therefore very powerful so the other question that the European Union has asked itself is how can we make this or keep this market open and competitive and contestable because if markets get dominated by a very limited number of firms you start paying far too much for the services. You see that innovation is not working as well as it should. So, so the second question was, how do we keep that market open? And the answer to that question is the Digital Markets Act. Well, what does the Digital Service Act do? Why is it relevant? Well, it imposes certain obligations on platforms, on, on, on kind of digital services providers, companies that operate in, in the digital space. They need to behave more responsibly because over the last few years, we have seen quite a few scandals. Uh, I mean, I think we've all kind of come across, I mean, there's been Cambridge Analytica, there's been uh, scandals where, I mean, terrorist content uh, appearing on, on websites, I mean, child sex abuse material. So how can we make these platforms more responsible so that uh, that content is not getting onto the platforms in the first place, so prevent as much as possible. If it does get onto a platform, because it's uploaded by a user, that it is very quickly detected. And when it is detected, it is also, if it is illegal, it should be removed. So that's like what is behind uh, really imposing clear obligations and responsibilities on platforms and, and particularly on the bigger ones. Because the bigger ones, of course, the impacts if something goes wrong, is really kind of uh, uh, goes across our society is not limited to a single country like Norway or or France or Germany it immediately spreads out across the the globe and 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 therefore the big companies need to um, respect uh, even even higher level of, uh, of responsibilities
1: how interesting what will change for the big tech companies with the new regulations
2: well if you look at the digital services act they will have to uh, adhere, comply with a set of what we call due diligence obligations. For example, they have to um, put in place what we call a notice and action system. So, if we as users we see something on a website, on for example Meta or on YouTube, we should be able to notify this to the platform to say, "Look, we've seen something, and we we think it might be illegal," uh, and and that then triggers the obligation of the platform to look into it as soon as possible expeditiously and then to take action and and then also to inform if it removes a particular piece of content that it also informs the one that has uploaded the content that has been removed so that we don't get a situation of like over removal where we infringe or we restrict the freedom of speech so that's an obligation that platforms will have to adhere to other obligations For example, they will have to do a risk assessment. So once a year, they need to look at like, well, to what extent can our services, are our services exposed to risks? Can they be abused by those who want to spread illegal content? What is the risk to minors for mental health? What is the risk for gender violence? And what do I need to do in order to mitigate those risks? So that kind of my platform is as safe as possible. So that's another obligation. Uh, A third obligation is to undergo an independent external audit. So a third party will come into the platform and to look at like how the platform is internally organized. How are the algorithms that decide, that determine what we see when we go on the internet? You go on Facebook or you go on another service, you see something different then, like your other, I mean, your brother might see, or your sister might see, or, or or your neighbor might see. And that's all because of the the way algorithms are programmed. So, how are they programmed? How how is it determined that we, we see certain things and others see different things? So that's where an auditor can go in and check. I mean, how, how are these algorithms programmed? So that that independent audit is also a very important obligation that platforms will have to undergo. So in a nutshell, these big tech platforms will become regulated industries. And it, like banks are regulated industries, like energy companies are regulated industries, like pharmaceutical companies are regulated industries because we don't want banks to to kind of create difficulties or problems in our, in our economy as we've seen during the financial crisis some 10 years ago. We don't want pharmaceuticals to put medication on the market that's dangerous or make you sick. We don't want energy companies to kind of uh, overcharge you or, 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 or do other things that we, we've, as a society, we find not acceptable. And the same principle should apply to the big tech platforms. So they will have to comply with certain responsibilities and obligations. And if they don't do that, then there shall be consequences.
1: I attended one of your From Brussels to the Bay workshop last November when the DSA had just entered into force. I remember a senior representative of Meta and a professor of Berkeley, they were debating the new new regulation. And I was thinking, why cannot the companies regulate themselves?
2: Well, that's actually what has happened over the last, say, years i mean they have been taking their own measures i mean the the the, the platforms have, have no interest themselves in in being vehicles for illegal content i mean they want also the users to feel safe they want advertisers to be satisfied that kind of they can put their advertisements there and and not not next to like illegal content or, or, or hate speech. So th- the platforms have been doing a lot of things, but but not enough. Uh, and we are talking here about issues that go to the heart of kind of our value systems and fundamental rights in the European Union. So it is a, it is kind of necessary to put a framework around these things, to, to set out the rules of the road that everybody should follow because the, one of the weaknesses of self-regulation is that, some will do it well and others won't do it. And as a result, I mean, there is still not enough trust uh, that, that actually the, 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 the situation is is under control. So it's actually in the interest of a lot of the platforms to have a predictable legal framework, particularly in the European Union, because if if the European Union kind of at the EU level would not regulate, I mean, member states have already regulated. So this is another consideration that kind of th- there will be rules and if there are rules it's much better to have these rules at the european union level than to have them at the national level because then you have the challenge to comply with different rules and regulations and and that is just more costly and and, and far less effective but self-regulation doesn't work and i think the companies themselves if you ask them that question they will They will accept that. But that does not mean that there is not a significant role for companies to self-regulate, but not without a framework that is binding that that, that is put now uh, into place by the European Union in the form of the Digital Services Act.
1: In the Valley, sometimes people say that EU regulates, but the US innovates. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I mean, I think that's not a, a... a fair comment i mean europe is is highly innovative uh, i mean last year for example there were more unicorns created in the european union than in the united states there is a tremendous innovation including in in, in norway in areas like energy in areas like uh, mobility in health in in uh, fintech uh, in agriculture in education so th- i think that challenge can be easily dismissed uh, that that the european union is only interested in regulating and and because it cannot innovate i mean if even if you ask i mean i've asked that very often here of u.s companies very big tech companies they have extensive cooperation with startups and scale-ups and smes and companies in the european union there's a lot of innovation going on in europe what is often the challenge is to scale up in the european union that is Because it's complicated. We have 27 member states. And then, of course, with the EAA, the the European um, Economic Area, with Norway and Liechtenstein, we have 29. If the rules are different, it means if you go and expand your market every time you have to adjust yourself to rules in another member state. And that just slows you down. And in the internet, it's all about speed and scale. So this is one of the reasons why in the European Union, we don't have big platforms or that many big platforms as you see in the united states so that's something that absolutely we need to need to address but the the, the 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 fact that we regulate yes that's correct the european union regulates because the european union wants technology to serve people and not the other way around we our vision for the internet is that it should be human centric it should bring benefits to our societies to our economies to our citizens and and that means that you can't leave it entirely to the industry to, to, to organize itself. There there have to be kind of frameworks put in place so that the industry kind of works and operates responsibly. I think nobody in his right mind would argue that banks shouldn't be regulated or pharmaceutical companies shouldn't be regulated or telecoms companies shouldn't be regulated or car companies shouldn't be regulated when they manufacture cars and they put them on the road and, and, and we drive them. So... The same principle applies here. These companies, the big tech companies, they do a lot of good to our societies, but part of the technology can also bring negative effects on our society, and that's what we need to regulate.
1: What has been the reaction from the tech industry? And do you believe they will follow the rules?
2: Well, I think the tech industry has now realized that it has kind of unleashed... Innovations that are so powerful and so kind of omnipresent and pervasive that kind of regulation is, is, is necessary. Uh, I remember Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Facebook, now Meta coming to Brussels a few years ago, saying to Commissioner Breton who is responsible for digital policies, regulate us. And so I think there's an understanding in the industry that you need some regulation. Uh, and, and and you need good regulation, I think there's also respect for the European Union that what we have kind of adopted makes a lot of sense. That's not to say that they like everything in the rules. I think there's particularly a concern about the Digital Markets Act, which is like more about how these companies kind of operate in, in, in our markets. Uh, and, and there we, through the Digital Markets Act, we have kind of, declared a number of their business practices as being unfair. Uh, and, and of course that has helped these business practices have helped some of these companies to become very successful in the European Union market. And to be told now by the European Union that henceforth they cannot continue to implement these practices is not something that kind of is universally endorsed by these, by these companies. But these, this is the law of the land. Uh, the both instruments have entered into force they will soon what we call enter into application so they will kind of have to be complied with in practice so the negotiations are over they were adopted by the european parliament and and the council and the member states and and are now being implemented so we're not renegotiating this so there shall be compliance and i think the, the industry understands that the the motto at the moment is implementation And and from where we sit and and the discussions that we've had, there is a very serious effort uh, going on now in Silicon Valley and more generally around the world and, of course, also in the European Union to be ready for the uh, entry into application of both measures.
1: What are the EU's expectations for the new regulations' impact internationally? Will the US follow the EU's lead?
2: Well, that's... That's a difficult question, I think it, it i mean this the legislation that the European Union has adopted is comprehensive and far reaching. This is not light touch regulation. this really is a quite substantive change in the way that the internet and these big tech platforms operate uh, in the European Union uh, for example, the Digital Services Act they will have to put systems in place to keep the internet safe and uh, protect our fundamental rights the digital markets act uh, will prohibit a certain number of practices impose a number of other requirements for example if like uh, app stores will need to be opened up uh, the, the walled garden system that for example apple has implemented will, will i mean will no longer be acceptable in the european union if you have a device you should be able to download an app, not just from the app store, but from alternative app stores. It's interesting that uh, last week, for example, Microsoft uh, announced that it will set up an app store for games to compete directly with the uh, Apple app store. So these are quite far reaching changes. I mean, self-preferencing, if you're a, a marketplace and you host third party sellers, it has to be done on the basis of fair competition. You cannot use information about, say, pricing from the third-party seller to compete or out-compete the third-party seller. So that is, again, is a quite dramatic change. If you are a, a booking platform, a travel platform, uh, until now, I mean, you, you cannot, as if you're a hotel, you cannot sell your hotel room for cheaper outside of the, the platform well, that will no longer be allowed. So the hotel will have the freedom to sell the hotel in the room at a lower price than it is advertising on one of the big uh, travel platforms, for example. So these are quite significant changes, w- which will, I mean, benefit businesses, benefit users. There's going to be more choice, lower prices, affordable prices. So so that, that I think, the, I mean, around the world, I mean, there will be an interest in this and, and in the U.S. I mean, is there the the willingness in the U.S. to legislate like the European Union has legislated? I think we doubt it. Uh, you see that the situation in the U.S., it's, it's just complicated politically to get almost any piece of legislation passed. And this is a quite far-reaching one and it's a comprehensive one. Is there a chance that some of the elements might be subject to regulation perhaps and, and maybe not necessarily in the first place at the federal level so in washington dc but but maybe at the state levels because the states are quite actively legislating including the state in which we are established in california where there's there's quite some legislation coming out about for example protection of minors or, or age verification so we will see some of these developments but probably not as Kind of comprehensive and holistic as 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 the legislation that uh, that that has been adopted in the European Union. Beyond that, I think I think we have to see. I mean, we have been in touch a lot with countries around the world when we were shaping and negotiating the the framework. So there's a lot of interest in this, and we have already seen some countries copying bits and pieces of of the DSA and the DMA into their legislation. So I. I Definitely there, there will be a type of Brussels effect. And if you think of it, I mean, we will have a situation very soon where Europeans will get better treatment from the big tech platforms, whether they're in the US or in China, the ones that will be under, I mean, they're now serving the European Union that will be under the uh, the DSA and the DMA. And so I think it will raise some questions around the world like, well, is it, is it okay for our citizens here in the US, our businesses here in the US and around the world. I mean, imagine if you're a politician, try to explain why European citizens should get a better deal than American citizens in the country where these big tech platforms are established. That's a not an easy one to explain as a politician. So there will definitely be pressure to uh, to to follow in in the European footsteps. Maybe again, not across the board, but for certain certain aspects uh, uh, we, we would kind of expect uh, other countries to follow suit.
1: You just heard part one of the exciting discussion with EU's Gerard de Graph. In part two, you will hear more about Silicon Valley Bank and the call to pause the AI development.